So you grew up in New Zealand? Uh, from Yeah, from the age of nine years old. Mm. So I was born in Cape Town. Okay. In Weinberg. And uh, yeah, my parents decided to, to move to New Zealand. Your family uh, moved to New Zealand? Yeah, so late 70s. Late 70s, okay. I remember it's a fairly easy transition, I guess. Brother, sister, mother, father. But um, you know, I was always curious to come back here and uh, I think by the sort of late 90s, when I was finishing university, um, you know, came back out of curiosity. And uh, I was working in a wine shop in Auckland, and a, a case, bit of work for different wineries as well. But um, my boss at the time was importing quite a bit of Italian, German stuff, French. And he asked me to put together some a shipment of South African wine. And so I spent about a month traveling around Stellenbosch, Baal, Franschhoek, out to the Swatland. What year was this? <coughs> about 97, actually. Yeah. I, I'd grown up drinking a lot of South African wine. My dad left with quite a big cellar. A lot of old bottles from the sort of 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Oh, wow. Okay. 70s. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we drank European wine as well, but, 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 but certainly, you know, every Sunday there'd be a, a, a good bottle of, of, of South African red, usually, always, actually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was expecting to kind of find that. Okay. And... You didn't. And I didn't. Yeah. And, you know, I was... It became an almost frantic kind of exercise. I mean, I was, uh, I even bought a car, actually, a shitty car, and I was, I was just driving initially with my brother who was here for the first couple of weeks, and then just by myself. And I just visited, I don't know how many wineries were. Yeah, I bought a platter, I bought, um, and, and just had this very prolonged, what the fuck kind of moment. Yeah. <laughs> I, what happened? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. I was, you know, who fucking stole my country kind of thing. Yeah, right. Um, so can you remember what, what wines you were drinking um, uh, of your, your father's wines? What sort of, what, what, what labels they were? Or was it all sort of Zonneblums and... Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, yeah. all, all the, the, the classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. the, uh, a lot of them were probably coming from patients of his who, who he had a lot, of, for some reason, as a cardiologist, he had a lot of... Uh, people who were wine farmers and, uh, okay. you know, so I see. various, you know, cases that would have just, like a lot of the, uh, was it Stellenbosch Farmers Winery? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the yeah. old ports as well and, yeah, and, and, and yeah. so on. Okay. And, which were magical. And I got the to re-drink yeah. a lot of, when I was working with Louise Hoffmeier at Wilhelmin, who was one of, I ended up buying one pallet of wine and, uh, one of the domains was uh, in Paul, which was at that stage. Louise Hoffmeyer, Billy was already, her father was already sick. And, um, you know, I think at that point she, she was the only person I could find who, who was not using in, um, cultured yeasts. Okay. And, you know, there was a, 
and and that that's open to to correction mm. but um but in your uh, in my experience yeah. it it was the only i mean i think there was uh was it kurt among from rosendahl who was doing some indigenous film but it was it wasn't a for me a, a prolonged uh, it, it was a fairly patchy affair in those okay. days yeah he made some very interesting wines and and as it happened with the kind of friendly consultancy of louise's dad at the time but um so okay. yeah i mean there, i'm not saying there weren't interesting wines around and i another wine i bought was just older vintages um from Le, of le bonheur uh, yeah, yeah, sort of eighty-five, eighty-six. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it wasn't the, the top wine, but it was it was a, a blend, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, very interesting. I mean, uh, you know, that wine. Uh, it was, I think, uh, some kind of Englishman who was running the place, um, who went bankrupt, and then it got taken over by. Um, Distel, I think, or whatever one of those groups. I was, I'm a bit hazy on them now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You know, Louise knew a lot about the story of that area and 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 the South African wine scene generally. And she said, "Yeah, a lot of people mocked this guy uh, because he was obsessed with compost." Okay. In, in the eighties, uh, that was seen to be a, uh, a sort of dirty a, a fault. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. It was like, what a pervert, you know. <laughs> At the same time, I could never put my finger on why I liked his wine so much, except there was a liveliness yeah. and a, and, a, and an energy. Yeah, right. So at this point, and you're just a you're just a, a wine lover and drinker, and who? Yeah. Yeah. You, there was no sort of uh, sort of production to your history, or no, 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 no. I mean, so, I'd, I'd worked in wineries just yeah, okay. for fun and. Uh, okay. Well, you know, and to earn some money, and yeah, yeah. I think I did my first harvest in 1988 in Bordeaux when, okay. I, when I was 18. Yeah. Uh, so you, obviously, yeah, yeah, you knew, a f uh, you, know, you had a fair bit of knowledge at that point. It wasn't just you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd read uh, uh, a lot of wine technical books. Uh, Rankin, the the one they still use here, I think it's the. Um, Making better wine, it's called an Aussie New Zealand winemaking book. Uh, people like Emmy Peno, uh, knowing and making wine, sort of Bordeaux professor from the seventies and eighties. Actually, very good book and one I still tell people who, who don't want to go to university and make wine. It's still good to have some grounding in this. In, in it's very important, I think. So I, I wasn't consciously admitting to myself I was going to make wine. It just seemed like too much hassle. And I didn't have land. I didn't have... Uh, uh, I wasn't about to get land. Uh, mm. New Zealand, very expensive. Um, uh, certainly, uh, South Africa is also... I mean, if, you, if you're coming in uh, cold, it, it's a very expensive place to set up a winery. Mm. Um, uh, and, and I, at that time, hadn't even thought of buying grapes or, or yeah, right. you know, I didn't even your, know it, I didn't, it wasn't even your radar like, no you know, I didn't yeah. know that was an option kind okay. of thing so um, and what did you study just quickly sorry to go backwards but what did you study at university what did you yeah I mean I, I was okay technically English literature and, and uh, Japanese language and literature so I okay. did a double major in my and then I wrote a master's thesis in English lit but um, yeah I mean I did I tend to say I just studied reading I mean I yeah right so processing information critically, yep. and 
you know, I, I still think that's my biggest asset as a winemaker. Oh, really? Yeah, I definitely. Obviously, having an interest in food and, and, and nutrition, what we consume, how it affects us is important. And, and having a nose that is a sense of sense of uh, smell that that is mm. uh, that you actually use uh, is is obviously important I mean, yeah you, you need to know yeah. and i'm i'm often saying to young guys working with me or young girls you know you should taste more and and you know I, when i worked for other people i would taste every single fermenting vessel in that cellar every day um not because someone told me to but because yeah. i wanted to uh, unfortunately, a lot of kids come out of school not knowing this, okay. and you know they almost treat tasting as a chore. Which, you know, if you're struggling to taste, you know, I'm not going to make pronouncements on whether you should or shouldn't make wine, and, and never do that. Well, except in one or two cases, but um, but that that certainly that training is very important. But beyond that. Um, you know, the, the, there's a, a vast amount of information in the world, and never more so than today, with 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 Google and, yeah. and the internet generally. And but you know, having some capacity to process that is is and and to work through. Um, you know, I still think that that books are the most valuable form of of information storage, and so you know, the the interest I've had in wine and and and, and farming and you know, it's it's it, it obviously it, I, I didn't wake up one morning and, and decide I'm um, in love with organics, but you know I had my grandfather talking to me a lot about uh, this sort of thing when I was a little kid. So oh. my, my father as well, you know. As a, so when you were still in South Africa, yeah, seventies, yeah, okay. yeah. He was very good friends of a woman called uh, Jean Malherber, who who actually studied briefly under Rudolf Steiner and okay. set up a farm called. Um, was it uh, Blomakis Kloof? And, um, Where was that? It's out near Wellington. I mean, I've been okay. there. And okay. uh, I've, I'm very hazy now. We're talking 20 years ago when yeah, I was yeah, last yeah. there. But uh, she used to sell in the market in, in Cape Town. Uh, and so um, vines, I'm assuming? Or no, 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 no. She she made cheese and okay. grew vegetables and right. baked. They had bread from their own wheat and okay. um, the full biodynamic scenario. and. Mm. Funnily enough, when I went to work at Velchemiant uh, in 1999, so, yeah, they, they were still buying uh, fruit and vegetables and cheeses, this beautiful soft cheese that she used to make from her. Okay. And she was knocking 90 by that stage. Really? Okay. Um, not doing the daily farming. She had a yeah, yeah, couple yeah. running it then. But, um, and so, the, the, you know, people forget there, there, there was, uh, and obviously, the Camp Hill Farms as well, I mean, uh, selling their produce and um, I mean, my family's always taken an interest in the, the, the way that food is produced mm. and, and the idea that, that uh, you know, organic or naturally farmed uh, produce is better for you than, mm. and as my old man, uh, as a cardiologist, you know, he was saying, he always, when he started running his own farm in New Zealand with sheep and cattle, he banned any form of chemical on the farm, not because he was a hippie and very far from it, but um, but he said, you know, we, we, as as doctors, we don't yet know the effect that all the shit's going to have on the human body, and he said, but but it's clearly not good. Yeah. And so, it you just, know, it was it wasn't ever going to be um, 
uh, a positive, it was always a negative, but how, how much of a negative was it, it was still... We just don't out, know. Out, yeah. you know to, to be debated, yeah. And I mean, we, we've... Yeah, ironically, we, we're still in a situation in Europe where, in France, where the Roundup, the glyphosate molecule, is supposed to be being banned by next year. Um, there's been multi um, votes and, and, and so on and so forth. You know, unfortunately, we, we've got a very slimy president called, called Macron right now and, and who's pretended to be of, of a more centrist, but not at all. And, and, and the, 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 we had a very uh, interesting fellow as, as um, Minister of the Environment, and, and Nicolas Hulot, who's quite a well-known environmentalist in France, as well as being a very wealthy guy. But he resigned, and um, the, the new minister has said he's made a demand that he needs to see proof that, that Roundup is actually bad for people. And I mean, the, the, the proof has been coming for the last 20 years. I mean, there's been so many fucking studies done um, on, on the nefast effects, not just of, of glyphosate, but, but, but all systemic molecules that, you know, that Europe has a budget for, for, the European Parliament has a budget for testing six molecules per year. All of them are banned. But by the time they're banned, it takes a three-year process to, to, to run the, the, the tests. Um, they just develop slightly different molecules. And just enough to not to be under the ban. Yeah. Yep. And so it's it's you know if you're looking all the way back to Steiner and 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 you know his concern was pre pre chemical use, but his concern was that human nutrition was getting worse. People, by consequence, were becoming weaker and, and stupider. Um, and and you know where the fuck does this put us now? It puts us in a situation where we end up with presidents like Donald Trump. You know, it's, it's, it's I know that, I mean, that, that's a, a wide and, 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 and but, but there's a kind of cynicism uh, about what people get fed and, 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 and the right they have to, to, mm. to, to, to decent nutrition. And uh, I mean, it, it's certainly no surprise to me that, that Trump is, is now, sending all kind of environmental issues back into a spin um, doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. In the same way that, that when I was buying these, trying to buy wines and tasting heavily alcoholic, oaky, extracted, sulfured uh, things that, that made me feel sick, you know, I realized I, I, you're standing next to some guy who's seven foot with a big mustache telling you this is great wine and, and it's not my job to say look it's not great wine and this is why but my reaction was that pushed me into winemaking okay because it's something I feel strongly about yeah um, talk about that a little bit more about how, how you made that sort of transition of sort of buying wine for for export and then you thought hang on maybe I can do this also yeah I mean it, it wasn't like a calm rational decision mm. I mean it, it was just um, um, yeah, I literally woke up one morning and said, I'm going to fucking do that. And I asked Louise if I could come and work with her for a vintage. And, okay. Um, and this is 99 or...? Yeah, by that stage I was, I think I was in Europe somewhere and okay. um, I'd been working different stuff around and... Uh, so, you, you, so you were in South Africa in 97 then you went to Europe in... Yeah, I was going yeah. back, I used then Cape Town as a base and okay. um, 
I was working in a whole other industry, and um, which allowed me to put some money together, so I didn't have to get paid, and uh, you know, I could, which you know, as most people getting their first jobs in the wine industry aren't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and people often ask me why I started making what is now called natural wine, and, and even back then, this was first and foremost in my head, but, you know, I, it's always seemed obvious to me, and, mm. and it's not something that that hit me. I mean, it was more the contraire, that, 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 that things, I didn't understand why technical wine. And I've tried over the years, and in that period I was drinking everything. Um, so talk to me about Louise, about working there. Yeah, yeah. She, she's a great person. I mean, and obviously the through a combination of the market and uh, and I think f and family reasons, the, the they they sold up, and uh, I guess around two thousand and two, two thousand and three. But I mean, her dad, as it turned out, Billy Hoffmeyer was was uh, at that time. I think has been recognized as doing the first um, Bordeaux-type blends. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but there was a policy of, of a lack of f technical flamboyance and mm -hmm. uh, no new wood uh, or very tiny amounts of new wood. That was an issue for At her. Okay. Um, you know, if she, there was new wood coming into the program, she would put it into the, the little wine. And uh, season the barrel, and and you know, gestures like that, which which probably touched me more than any other winemaker I've worked with. Mm. Uh, definitely the the natural yeasts, um, wines that had a, a savory element, um, and I'm sure a lot of them would have been regarded as being faulty by 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 um, and were by many commentators, technical commentators. Um, in what way faulty? Were they, what, what, what were the accusations? Well, that they were dirty, or, okay. or there was some microbial activity, or ye mm. some yeast spoilage, or. But um, you know, they they wines that aged very well. Uh, you know, typically the wines were around twelve and a half alcohol, um, twelve to thirteen, depending. And, uh, there, there was a simple drinkability as well as structure to age and uh, a directness that I look for in wine. I mean, I, I couldn't have perhaps articulated that very clearly and still can't, but uh, at the time, but, but, you know, what I was looking for was a directness and, uh, and uh, uh, as well as a product that doesn't give me a headache. Yeah. And she was certainly, you know, conscious of limiting sulfur, but, but, to my mind, not enough. Yep. Um, Did you already have that sort of um, thought at that time? Like that, yeah, yeah, she allowed me to make a, uh, there's a little bit of white on the Chardonnay, a couple of rows of Chardonnay on the farm, which I made one barrel, and I made a red wine from, I think it was Alicante, you know, okay. fucking weird shit. Yeah. And, um, so but, stuff with the red juice. Yeah, yeah. and both of those I made um, uh, without sulfur. And she, you know, she was a bit like, "What the fuck?" But she yeah. thought it was pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, and and this, this, I can't, but I just seemed, you know, I I knew what sulfur was. I by that stage, I'd done a lot of um, cleaning with it, and, mm -hmm. and 
pretty horrible shit. You know, I was vaguely aware that this was an issue in in in, in a very small way in Europe. Okay. And it, it you know what it little I'd read about this approach, maybe someone like Claude Courtois. I drank Racine in Paris uh, after my first vintage at Gobi in '99. But mind you, then I'd already made the white and red at Louise's. So. Yeah, I don't know, but I, it just to me it was a uh, something obvious. Yeah, okay, it was self-evident. Self yeah, yeah, you know, that, and the idea of wine being such an ancient product, and you know, I was pretty sure that that, that historically people didn't have sodium metabisulfate or, or any. That's actually just thinking of that. I, I I worked in a food processing factory in one summer in New Zealand when I was about fifteen or sixteen. Okay. And, uh, so this is sort of like mid eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And I, one of my jobs was was, and it was a big factory and and but making jams and uh, cheeses and, the fucking bean salad and all kinds of horrific shit. <laughs> and one of my jobs there was just a big fucking yard of of, two hundred liter plastic drums. Yeah. Black plastic drums. Yeah. And it was hot as fucking Hades in that yard, and I had to put on a big gas mask and open up the barrels and check that the the sulfur dioxide hadn't dried out and okay. inside these barrels were either cherries or oranges and that I kind of flicked my fingers in a in a, in a bracket thing uh, because they'd been the fruit was bleached completely white right and I had to top up the and if the sulfur dioxide had gone down too much you had these sort of layers of maggots forming and I had to scoop them off and uh, and redose the so I was I guess living in I spent probably two weeks in, in a haze of SO2 yeah right and I'm, I'm yeah I had this fucking gas mask but it, mm. you know it was so fucking hot you're sweating like a pig and um, and probably that that experience made me a little bit sensitive to SO2 yeah and that that smell of the, the hot plastic and the well, the, the oranges and cherries had no smell or taste or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you couldn't, they were highly toxic. You know, then they get washed and, and then re-dyed and made into jam or marmalade or whatever cut they were fucking calling it. But yeah. um, that, 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 that experience, probably, pro I hadn't even thought of that before. Yeah, but right. So it was that's, probably that, that's informed, you think that's informed yeah. you in, in yeah. And ah, um, that was to earn money, obviously. I was, mm. My rowing coach worked there was the employee. Some of us got jobs in that factory. Anyway, yeah, I never wanted to work with that shit in my own. I mean, I still use a little bit to clean around the the the, the bung, uh, yes, the silicon bung, because that's uh, in a barrel or a foudre. Uh, but that's the only time I use it in winemaking. Uh, and it, it's okay. Then, then the challenges. Then, obviously, the technical issues, which I, w I wasn't aware of in any way at that time. And, and so it, it wasn't a reason thing in the, in the sense that I, I had this. Uh, you can't have a perspective in the beginning. Uh, you, you have to build one. I mean, that, yeah. that's what growing up is. And I started to realize that the farming was going to be a bit important. 